0: Hey family, welcome to the latest episode of Compass Thoughts, the official podcast of Belmont Assembly of God. My name is Pastor Joey Silva, and today I am with my good friend, Pastor Jason, once again. And uh, we're having a little bit of a follow-up conversation on the last meeting that he had. There's been some revelations on uh, some misconduct that came out on a prominent Christian figure that I thought would be good for us to unpack. And so full disclosure, uh, some of the content and information that's going to come out is a little sensitive in nature. So uh, just a heads up in case um, you've had any experience with sexual trauma. trauma or any kind of experience where this might be disturbing for you. So uh, if not, hopefully you could sit through this and really enjoy some thoughtful conversation on this topic. So, pastor jason uh like i mentioned you know i wanted to have a follow-up with you on some of the uh revelations that have come out uh before i do like always when we have a heavy topic like this i like to try to have some lighthearted moments in the beginning uh just just to not drive people away and so i just got a couple thoughts a couple questions here for you uh to get people again i like people always get to know the man behind the mic and so uh I've asked a lot of our young adults this question, and I find the answers interesting. So, would you rather live in a world without music or a world without taste?
1: Oh, pass on the music. Really? I got to eat, man. The worship pastor chooses (laughs) taste above all. You know, half the time when I'm leading worship, I'm thinking about food, right? So <laughs> it's good to know that in the midst of your leading of a congregation to the presence of God, I, I can't I can't remember too many times when I'm, I'm eating a great meal and I'm thinking about music. So. Well,
0: speaking of worship music, uh, let me, let's be candid for a second. What is your least favorite worship song?
1: Least favorite? My least favorite worship song. You, you know, I can't think of one right off the top of my head. But I will say that I don't really care for about ninety five percent of what most people would consider mainstream. To be mainstream, yeah, mainstream Christian worship. I do like Friend of God, though. Oh, shout out to Pastor Carlos. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, we uh, we're, we're not going to go into that. That's one. the
1: one song I'm not allowed to play on a Sunday morning.
0: You, you want to give a little insight why Pastor Carlos doesn't like that song? No, I you know, I
1: wasn't here for that, so I think you should give the insight. I think
0: I think we were singing that as a congregation and it just got worn down to the point where Pastor's like, We're not singing that song ever again. Uh and I think that's fair. There are yeah. some times where, you know, a song is fun in the beginning and then it's like, dude, let's just give that song a break for a season. Um Speaking of of, of worship. Uh, from your perspective, obviously, every Sunday's worship experience is much different, and uh, we're excited that we're going to be opening up again in April, or in March, I should say. Uh, but what's the most awkward theme you've ever seen or
1: witnessed from
0: a congregation while you were leading worship?
1: Probably the dancing. Like just their awkward dancing? There's not a lot of dancing here at Belmont, and I'm not saying that there should be more or there should be less. Uh, that's really just personal preference, I guess. But certainly, there are some people out there that go a little bit too overboard with the dancing, at least for my taste. Sure. To the point where it can be distracting. Like, are we talking footwork? Like they're busting out old school
0: '90s house music footwork. I
1: I think. I think part of it is just when it lacks rhythm. (laughs) That can be. Okay. Can we have a side
0: comment (laughs) on our church's clapping abilities? Uh, I think we've come a long way. Nah, Belmont. You get a C plus, Belmont. Because I've seen some churches that really struggle with clapping on the one and two.
1: Yeah, no, you want to clap on the one and three. A one and three. Well, there you go. That's why we. Which is up. typically when the drummer hits the snare. So if you feel lost, Belmont, look at the drummer. We've got some good drummers here. Just watch that stick hit the snare. I don't think one the problem
0: three. is that they they miss oh, it. two I and think- four. I'm sorry, two and
1: four. So and I think Sorry, Kirby's laughing at me in the back Some there.
0: people are clapping on one of those, and the other people yeah. are clapping on the other one, and it well, just sounds...
1: The worst is when people are clapping on the in-between. It's one of those things where I don't even know how to do that Yeah, because it's so programmed in me to clap on the beat. And so when I see people clap in-between, it's actually pretty amazing. You could put that down on your resume. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Hey, let me ask you a question first. Sure. The last time we talked, you asked me, who's the GOAT of GOATs, Tom Brady or Michael Jordan? Now, now, we taped that. or We recorded it before the Super Bowl. And so after that, Tom Brady won his seventh. Yeah. So I guess this isn't really a question. It's more of a state. Why well, it, is, it is a question. Are you ready to apologize for your stance that Michael Jordan is still the GOAT of GOATs? Oh, no, no, dude. I, I make no apologies because
0: Michael Jordan had to play both offense and defense. And as great as Tom Brady is, <laughs> when you look over a lot of his championships, you can point to other reasons why he won it now one of the greatest leaders of all time bar none I, I think phenomenal uh but and sometimes it's apples to oranges as far as sports but jordan is just man he's the legend man
1: all right follow up uh-huh when was the last time you apologized for any hot take oh i don't i don't know. I'm, I'm the <laughs> okay. skip bayless of this brother all right belmont there you go you like, have do it. not apologize for hot <laughs> takes um
0: so that's awkward uh speaking of awkward and not apologizing um you know, we had recorded that session and we talked about fallen leaders and we talked about leaders who had moral failures and uh, how we in the Christian world often prop up these leaders and, and some of the effects of that. And I kind of, during that time, ran through a list of leaders that had fallen. And one of them that I briefly mentioned was Ravi Zacharias. Yeah. Just after we recorded that conversation, I think literally like a week, about less than a week afterward, a report came out. So there was allegations made against Ravi Zacharias on several occasions. But after his death, his organization hired an outside firm to come and do a full investigation to see, you know, how big it was. And uh, when they released that report, you find out that it was actually worse than what we thought. Now, right. uh, you can easily find that report online if you want to Google it and you want to get actual details. But just to give some uh, quick talking points, um, we discovered that, uh, and this was one of the allegations, that he had uh, multiple sexual acts and encounters with uh, girls in massage parlors that he owned in Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, but then we also found out that he would frequent massage parlors around the world, that he would bring masseuses with him on the airplane to give him more than just massages. He actually housed one in Thailand and paid for her living so that she could pleasure him sexually when he arrived. And then some of the even more disturbing things that were on top of that, that added to it, in my opinion, were things like uh, threatening them to say, hey, if you bring this up, if you say anything about this, thousands of people's souls will go to hell because of what you did. Or literally praying with one and thanking God for the right that she had to be for lack of a better term, sexually abused by him. Mm-hmm. And so here's a man who would constantly get uh, illicit pictures through text messaging up until a couple months before he died. And he was in his 70s when he passed away uh, due to illness. And so you see all this, and, and, and immediately I know, I think I sent you the report, and uh, you and I began to have a dialogue about it. I know that you're not necessarily surprised uh, but how would you describe your reaction after reading that report?
1: Well, like you said, not surprised because we've seen it so many times in the church. He's not the first one. He won't be the last one. I think if there was anything that was shocking, it would be the, the degree, mm. if, if that makes sense. I know we want to, we always say that sin is sin, but I do think that he took things a step further, like you were saying, some of the reports that came out after the fact. I remember the first time that you you brought it up, you texted me, I was, I was actually eating at a restaurant, not surprising, and I remember reading about him co-owning, co-owning this massage parlor and some of the things that happened, and then and that was probably over a year ago, I want to say, and then now more stuff has come out. And I think what I read was that one of the people that worked there came out because at his funeral, they were watching the funeral online, I, I believe, and they were seeing all the great things that people were saying about him, and they knew, the person who worked there knew that there was so much that wasn't being told. Yeah. And so they felt empowered or emboldened to speak out about this, and thankfully it did lead to an, an investigation and more stuff did come out, but definitely not surprised that, that these things happened. I think I was in some ways encouraged that Things are being being brought to light. Sure, I think we need to. the The church needs to be aware. Uh, people need to be aware. We need to raise awareness, if if that makes sense. That's probably not the best phrase, but I think that these things shouldn't go uncovered. And I think the more I think about this story, particularly him, because we, we were talking about this, uh, you know, off mic. Mm-hmm. There aren't too many people that I can think of that have higher stature or had a higher stature than Ravi Zacharias in the evangelical church. Especially among apologetics. I think of, right, I think of Billy Graham. He's obviously up there. And and after that, you're going to have people that are really well-known, well-respected in their circles. But across not just this country, but internationally, Ravi Zacharias was very, very well-known, very well-respected. And I think it's the responsibility of church members and church boards or in this case the his board the or the board of the organization it really is their responsibility to take allegations seriously and to even though we it sounds crazy but we revere some of these men and women of faith mm-hmm. We have to hold people accountable.
0: Well, it's interesting you bring that up because that actually was my next question. Because based on some of the information that's come out, it seems that his organization, especially early on, dismissed the accusations. And their immediate reaction was to protect um, and, you know, I guess to a certain extent, you're protecting the brand, right? It was Ravi yeah. Zacharias Ministries. Right. And so you, you protect the brand, you protect the golden goose, um, you know, you, you try to hide or, or even maybe if I give them the benefit of the doubt that they believed him, I think we live in a day and age where you can't just say he would never or she would never. Yeah. Uh, I think transparency is important. And, um, you know, one of the things I should probably say, because I don't want people to get the wrong idea that you and I, you know, we send each other these reports or these notices to revel in it or to delight in someone's failure. I think a big part of why we do it is, I know for me at least, it's a sobering moment. It, It stiffens your back and it makes you realize, hey, I need to make sure that my hands are clean and that I'm living above reproach because I might not have the notoriety of a Ravi Zacharias, but eyes are still on me and people right. are still looking at me and I have a responsibility before the Lord to do some of these things. Um, what responsibilities do you think his organization or organizations in general fail to meet when it comes to these things and, and why?
1: Well, I think like you said, it's protecting the golden goose. I th- To me, I can't say that it's a sin to name your ministry after the person in charge. Sure. I don't think that there's anything in the Bible that says that that is sin. But I do think that it's probably not the best method. I would say that it's not wise, in my opinion. Because what that sends to me, or the message that it sends to me, is that this ministry is built around this person. And so if this person falls, or if this person is not in charge anymore, you're basically, the whole ministry is is set up with that person. And it can't, almost as if it can't exist without this individual.
0: You know, I think that's something that Craig Rochelle with Life Church has done a good job, even though he's a prominent name and a big personality. uh, If you go to any of those churches, it's all built around the identity of the church and Christ, not on Craig Rochelle's name. Uh, And I think it's a good warning because we live in a day and age where Celebrity status is, you know, a few clicks away and it's yeah. easy to gain notoriety and become famous. Uh, but if we're not careful, it's very easily to also become infamous and, and to have a lot of these things come out. Uh, I think, you know, one of the things I saw some organizations doing is creating more transparency. Uh, you know, Ravi Rice in the initial investigations that they tried to do internally wouldn't give up his phone. At that point, that's a red flag. Yeah, the the, the investigation is tainted. Like, yeah. you're not
1: cooperating. But I think even before that, if the investigation is being done by the organization itself, that's a red flag too. Sure. I think it has to be done by an independent, you know, some third party, and and maybe even to some degree, maybe a, a third party that isn't affiliated with the same religion. Yeah. Right
0: which I think was the case in this situation. Uh, They had originally another organization that was going to do it, and they caught some backlash because they felt it's not transparent enough. And, you know, some people are even arguing that the board is, uh, to this day, it's still anonymous. You don't know who's on that board. And um, I don't know where I stand on that because some people argue, well, we should hold them accountable for any cover-up or any, you know, is this responsibility not just on Ravi but on the board for not believing these women, for not holding Ravi to higher standards, for not holding them to better accountability. And the other side of that coin is, uh, you know, do we need to know their names? Do we need to ruin these people's lives because of the sins of another man? How closely tied are they? Will we ever know really all they knew? So it's an interesting conversation over, you know, how do you – make sure that the people can see your hands and know that you're clean and be transparent enough. I know for me, it's not a matter of so that I can get caught. Uh, you know, my wife has access to all my social media. Right. She has thumbprints on my phone. She at any point can take anything. I have no fear of leaving my phone around her or anything like that. And because of that, it, it's, even if there's moments of temptation, I realize she can look at it. And so there's this transparency for me that says, okay, because of the transparency, it helps become guardrails towards potential failure because there is no thing for me to hide. And I just find maybe I'm too lazy to do that stuff because life's a lot easier without trying to hide things (laughs) Uh, because he got to a point where he had two, three phones.
1: Oh, and, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, and was trying to, you know, and none of them were company phones. He refused to take a company phone because he didn't want them to have access to the information and the messages that he was getting from people. Um, you know, in thinking about some of these prominent figures, even off, Mike, you and I were, were talking about, I had mentioned people like John Wesley who had owned slaves. I think about other prominent ministers in history who have had, Um, moral failures or alleged moral failures and countless other men and women in history who we don't even know what maybe things they did. Priests, you know, there's a long history now that's come out in the last 20 years of priests who molested children and, you know, did some other sexually explicit issues. I think about this, and even just looking at the Bible, I'm thinking of someone as prominent and as famous as David And we almost gloss over the fact that he was an adulterer and that he committed murder by killing Uriah after he impregnated his wife. The question I'm asking in this is, why would God use such tainted people? I mean, these are prominent figures that we believe are being used by God. Yeah. Why would God choose to use such messed up people?
1: Well, I wish I had... A perfect answer for that. My my initial thought on that is that God uses weak and broken people to minister to other weak and broken people. So for me, on one hand, yeah, it, it is such it is a good question. Why did God use David? But on the other end of it, the fact that God used David is evidence that God can use me. Mm. It actually gives me hope the difference when I look at the life of David versus someone like a Ravi Zacharias and well, I have a question for you on that later, but mm-hmm. but the difference is that when David was confronted with his sin, he repented mm-hmm. and he turned his life around. And the fact that God was, now there was still a judgment that was cast upon him. God still disciplined him in his perfect judgment, but God still used him mm-hmm. after that. And I think that gives hope, not just to ministers. And we, we talk about it sitting together as as ministers from that perspective, but we gotta remember that we're all susceptible, whether you you serve in ministry or not, we're all susceptible to cheat on our spouse. We're all susceptible to to do things at work that are dishonest yeah. to whatever the sin might be. And I think when I look at someone like Ravi Zacharias, one of the first things we talked about when the story broke out about the massage parlor. So why did he co-own the massage parlor? Why would you even do that? And I think for most people, where we get in trouble is where we break the first boundary. And what I try to tell young people is nobody wakes up one morning and says, well, today I want to cheat on my wife. Today Mm -hmm. I want to cheat on my husband. Usually what happens is one barrier is broken, whether it's uh, an intimate text or, Mm -hmm. or just spending too much time especially too much time alone with someone. Yeah. And then eventually when, when you feel, you just, you just can't overcome the temptation anymore because you're so deep into it. And, and I think that people who are not in ministry can really learn from this too and say, hey, I need to make sure that I have my boundary set up so that I don't fall to the same, maybe not to that degree, because again, what he did was very, very, um, Intense and and out there, but I think we can all learn, whether you're on the platform or not, from the lessons that we're seeing here with Robbie Zacharias.
0: Yeah, I think, for me, another aspect of that, it's the old saying, absolute power can corrupt absolutely. And I think it would be easy for us to judge somebody when we're not given the authority and abilities that they have. And, you know, I've often thought about, you know, we people criticize artists and celebrities who come out as Christian or get saved. And I think, you know, if I had millions of dollars and countless people fawning over me and, you know, all these gorgeous women throwing themselves at me, that's a different temptation, man. Yeah. That's a different level. And even just with that power, and with that authority, there's a reason why I think God constantly reminds us to look to him. Because if that's given to us, if we are you know provided with that, we're just not capable in and of ourselves to prevent from falling. And so I think it's a good reminder for all these men and women who are elevated, that that elevation doesn't make you better than everybody. it no. just makes you more exposed. It puts you at a higher pedestal where we can see every one of your flaws. Yeah. And I think again, some of us we become to th- we, it's easy to think you're untouchable when you become, you know, it's like the emperor's new clothes. Like nobody's going to tell you your flaws because you're the emperor. Um, And I think every now and then, God allows these things to happen because it's not like David's situation in the Bible was secret because we're reading about it, right? It became an example to everybody that no matter who you are, and if we look in the Bible, almost every individual's flaws and very, very deep ones are shown um, as a reminder that, outside of christ we really are nothing yeah and and if not but by the grace of god what's the the saying if not by the grace of god therefore i go like we could easily all be in that same boat and so i think that's why i like to look to these things as a reminder of the lord hey i'd rather learn from that person's mistakes than walk the same footsteps
1: yeah to me it comes down to pride yeah it comes down to we you and i even though we're on the platform we don't we're not elevated to that status. So sure. there are temptations that we don't understand because we don't have that kind of affirmation to the degree that someone like Ravi Zacharias, someone like King David. It's it's interesting because we think about King David and his sin with Bathsheba. I don't think it's any coincidence that that happened after they were singing Saul slayed his thousands and David yeah. his 10,000s. So you don't hear anything about that when David was a shepherd boy with That's his parents. And, and I think- he was so consumed with his own pride with what he had done that not only did he feel like he had the authority or the ability to take someone's wife and then kill the husband. He didn't even know that he sinned until he was confronted by the prophet. Nathan. Well, he didn't recognize he it. He didn't so recognize it. it. Yeah. And, and to me that, that is what pride does to you that yeah. you can do certain things and not even realize, Oh my goodness. I, that, that's wrong. The arrogance of it, right? The arrogance he, of it all. he recognized the
0: wrongfulness when Nathan tells him the story. He just doesn't recognize it in himself. Right. And I think that's another aspect that we can very easily be blinded to our own flaws. And we're experts, like the whole speck and log in the eye. Like we are experts yeah. at seeing the flaws in somebody else. And so I think you're right. When somebody is elevated to that, rather than criticize and demonize, and I mean, that's why the Bible tells us to pray for our leaders. Um, not just so that they could succeed, but so that they can be kept close to the Lord in that. Um, One more question with this, and I know you said you had something you wanted to ask me, but uh, this was kind of the first question I came up with, but I wanted to save it to the end uh, because I think there might be multiple answers on this. Does a tainted messenger taint the message? So in this case, you know, Ravi Zacharias, has he tainted his work?
1: Has he tainted the message of the gospel? I think he's tainted his ministry, but the gospel, no. To me, the gospel is pure and truth is truth regardless of who says it. So if someone who was unsaved came to me and said, Jesus is Lord, it's true. Whether they believe it or not, Mm -hmm. if you come and say it to me, if someone of, of greater stature comes and says it to me, it's still true. It doesn't change anything. But I do think his ministry and and the reach of his ministry now certainly is going to be affected. Will it ever reach the heights that it did at its peak? Probably not. And and maybe it shouldn't. I think those are fair questions or fair thoughts, but the gospel itself to me is pure. And, And again, I think this is what people get really frustrated about is how can a perfect God use imperfect people or such imperfect people yeah. to deliver his perfect love but again i go back to the thought that well if he didn't who 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 of us who's good enough could ever qualify none of us yeah. now i'm not i don't want to say that to excuse sin because i don't think that's that's not the route that that we need to go in but i do think that we need to take advantage of the grace of god and mm-hmm. and that leads me to When I was talking about this story with someone else, they asked me, Well, well, geez, after all that, is Ravi Zacharias in heaven?
0: Yeah. You know, I was just thinking while you were bringing that up. I don't think that's for us to decide. And I don't think God ever meant for us to have that responsibility. I think a lot of times Christians have uh, tried to scoop God over on the judgment seat and take his place and decide. This person's going to hell. That person's going to hell. Um, the truth is, God is the judge, yeah. not us. And whether or not Rabbi and goes to heaven or hell is irrelevant to me, uh, or should be irrelevant to me. It's kind of like when Peter's reinstated and he looks back at John and he asks Jesus, what about him? And Jesus says, what about him? If I want him to live forever, what's that have to do with you? You follow me. And so I think a lot of times we look at this and we can easily go, well, God, so, surely, Ravi's like, is going to hell, right? And he goes, don't worry about Ravi. You worry about me. And, uh, you know, growing up with three brothers and sisters, or three sisters, I should say, um, there was often times where I'm like, what about her? And What are you going to do to her? And now that I'm a parent, I start to realize, you know what? Worry about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, don't worry about this. I'll get to that situation. And so, um, I don't know. You know, I don't know. How much in? I don't. I don't. I mean, I know the theology of it. I, I know some aspects of it, and I can make a guess. But even then, the audacity for me to proclaim or to say right. one way or the other, I think, is just that it's audacious. Um, and I think some people would try to argue. Well, you know, you need to make a stand so that people will know and people understand, and they won't. You know, it'll it'll put fear in their hearts. Um, and I agree, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but I am not the one who should put that fear in them. Yeah. Uh, that's something that should come from the Holy Spirit, and that's something that the Holy Spirit needs to guide them in. And so for me, I grieve. When I heard this, and I even asked you that first question, how did you feel? I felt deep grief. I grieved uh, for the people that he administered to. I grieved for the women that he so horribly affected. I grieved for his family. You know, his wife and his daughter sat on that board. Yeah, I grieve for the failures that he had as a man and the impact that it has because kind of even going with that last question, uh, literally, no, it doesn't have an effect on the gospel. The gospel is perfect. But practically, there are going to be a number of people who sat under that ministry who are going to walk away from the relationship with God right yeah. wrong. They're right. going to do it because of what he did. Yeah, and And that's and, understandable. Yeah, and that's hard. And that, as a minister— that frustrates me, that, yeah. that hurts my heart. Because even though I know well that's not a good reason to walk away from the Lord, I know they're doing it. And I, I have to believe that that grieves God's heart as well. Um, but again, heaven and hell, that's the Lord's decision. That's where he sits on the throne. I'm just happy again by the grace of God. It's kind of like, even if you try to answer that question, well, how much of my sin accumulates? You know, How much of my sin disqualifies my salvation? Yeah. And I, that's, that's one of those kind of theological questions that can blow up your brain and cause you to have all these nosebleeds. <laughs> and I'm just going to believe in the grace of God for myself and worry about making sure that I get there and yeah. that I can make
1: sure that as many as I preach the gospel to are able to get there as well. I think the saddest part is, like you, you're talking about how your initial feeling is grief, and I, and I understand that. To me, the more I hear stories like this with prominent leaders, it's almost like the less I feel sometimes. Mm-hmm. And even just this past week, I was doing a Devo, a video series. And part of me, when I'm watching this guy preach the gospel, is part of me is thinking, what are you hiding? Yeah. And that's the
0: danger. I think and and that's right. That's, that's a danger. And that's the why, we, like you said, we do
1: have to be on our guard. We're not, we're not better than any of these people. As far as whether or not he's in heaven or hell, I'm with you. I don't know. And it is not for us to decide. And I love that you said, I don't know, because I think as pastors, we always feel like we have to have the answer. Sure. And again, that can be our own pride, mm-hmm. saying that we've got to have an answer for the people. But the reality is that we don't have all the answers. I will say this though, and this conversation I had with, with the person who asked me the question, I said, I don't know, but I know that God's love and forgiveness is stronger than sin. Mm-hmm. So if there was true repentance, and that can be a whole nother episode, sure. but if there was true repentance, then I have to believe that God forgave him and that he is in heaven. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And again, it's not up to us. I know what it does do, though, and like I said earlier, it does straighten your back. Yeah. It does remind you that if not for the grace of God, any one of us can find ourselves committing things that we never thought we would do. And so those of you who are listening, um, let that be an encouragement and a warning to say, hey, listen, we are where we are, but by the grace of God and the love of God that guides us into all truth and covers a multitude of our sins. And so, you know, my hope is that, you know, this wouldn't be such a frequent thing. The reality is we live in a fallen world and until we are all before Christ, There will not be any perfection on this earth. And so it's a reminder. uh, And I I preached a sermon to our students about this last week. You know, Paul made an audacious statement when he said, follow me. But he also clarified that statement in saying, as I follow Christ. Yeah. In other words, when it comes to leadership, we follow the example that they set forth and that has been mimicked in Christ. But anything that's not Christ-like, I'm not called to follow yeah and so you know for anyone that looks to you or to me and um he sees us as examples or inspiration or whatever, let it only be whatever we mimic in Christ, right, and all the other flaws that are Pastor Joey or Pastor Jason or yourself um again, if not by the
1: grace of God, we got to keep moving forward, yeah, and I would just add, if you're listening to this and you're part of a church, your church member, your church goer, you're on the church board part of your responsibility, part of your right, is to hold your leaders accountable. Amen. It makes for a better church. I think about, I think Pastor talked about it in the first episode where Paul, kind of as a newbie in the church, so to speak, goes up to Peter, who is the rock, right? And he held him accountable. And what that did was that made the church stronger. And I'm not saying go... Pick apart every sermon or every worship song. If you want to do that, that's fine. My email is pastorjoybalmoneyg <laughs> uh, But but definitely hold us accountable. Ask questions. Please be respectful. Be kind. Yeah. And I think we'll reciprocate rebuke publicly that. promote or rebuke privately
0: promote publicly. Yeah. And so I, I, what I love about our pastor and and I think everybody on our staff. And I had this. I had a leader do this to me the other day. Just pull me aside and say, "Hey, you know, I know you were kidding, but." I think you missed the mark on that joke. Yeah. And I said, you're absolutely right. I apologize. And I'm not afraid to do that. What what would frustrate me was if I said something off-colored or I did something that offended somebody and they never told me and just gossiped about it and told everybody else. Give me an opportunity to make right what I did wrong. And I think if we did more of that and we held each other accountable, one another, not just you know, leadership up, but across the board, I think we would be a stronger church, church plural, not just Belmont, right, but I right. think we would be a stronger congregation because we're not covering each other's sins as a cover up uh we're covering it in love as in hey, we're going to be honest about what happened. But we're also gonna be graceful and forgiving and love you and make sure that you don't repeat the steps, you know, put you on the process towards growing in that area. But if, man, if we just kicked everybody out, then messed up, the church would be empty. Right. So, man, uh, I know we probably went a little bit over time, uh, but I always enjoy my conversation with you, Pastor Jason, and I appreciate you coming out and doing a follow-up on this. Hopefully uh, you've grown and you've learned something from this, and uh, the Spirit of God was in it with us. And so we hope that you tune in next week as we we got a couple really, really cool episodes uh, coming up exploring a couple different topics with some guests that are outside of our church. And so make sure you tune in for the next episode. With that being said, God bless you, and we will hear from you soon.